And so, uh, Mark Connor here, always good to be sharing at... Hi, everyone. Mark Connor here, always good to be sharing at Bayside. Uh, here we are, end of February, hard to believe. I hope the year has started really well for you and you're enjoying life and ministry. Uh, if you're new to Bayside, a big welcome, great church community to be a part of. And so I hope you're uh, settling in, making some friends, getting involved. Uh, it's a great vision, a great mission here. Uh, back in January, I shared a message around the theme of thrive. You know, my, my prayer for you, our, our prayer as the leadership team is that you wouldn't just survive this year, but you would thrive in the sense of flourishing, enjoying life, have a real sense of fruitfulness in your world. And, you know, to thrive, it actually involves a number of things. Our life is a little bit like an ecosystem uh, with a number of aspects. And so here's a little bit of a diagram coming up now. You in the centre there. And so there's you and God. There's you and your calling. There's you and yourself, <laughs> how you're getting on with yourself. You and other people and you and your work or your vocation. And so uh, sporadically throughout this year, I've got a number of messages and we're gonna talk about each one of these and, and they work together. They all contribute to the whole. And I hope as we um, just share about each one of these aspects of your life that they'll contribute to you uh, thriving, flourishing in 2023. And so in January, in that message, I talked about you and God. Uh, how are you and God doing? That's such a, a foundation for our life. and. Uh, we don't lack the presence of God. What we need is awareness, just waking up to the fact that God is, God is around and with us and he loves us. And so I wonder if you've had an experience or an encounter with God. Have you, have you woken up to the reality of God? And then it's maintaining that awareness and endeavouring to, to see and experience God through the day, through the week. And then being attentive to what God might be doing or saying to you. And so uh, my prayer is that you and God would be doing really, really well. And that your relationship with God would be one of love. You know, God's love for you is not based on uh, how well you're doing. It's not based on your performance. It's based on the fact that you are his child. And if you can just begin every day, I am loved, then having received God's love, it's a lot easier to, to love yourself and to love others. In fact, Jesus said that the two great commandments are to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbour as yourself. And so the love starts from God loving us, us accepting ourselves, knowing that we're the beloved of God, and then overflowing that love to others in our world. And so you and God, if you missed that message, I'm sure you can find that uh, on the Bayside website as a podcast and uh, catch up on that one. Today, we're going to move on and talk a little bit about you and your calling. You and your calling. Interesting word, calling. Uh, you know, back when I was uh, a teenager, <clears throat> I started falling in love with basketball. In fact, still a bit of a basketball fan. And so sometimes we'd get a, a bunch of guys out on the basketball court and uh, we'd want to have a bit of a game. And so the, the, the two best players would be captains. And so they'd come out front and then everyone else would line up. And then the captains, one by one, would pick their team until they got their team numbers. And <laughs> there was nothing better than being picked first or second or, or pretty high up if, if one of the captains actually said, yeah, I want you, hey, I want you, hey, Mark. Uh, and there was nothing worse than being picked last or not picked at all, uh, and you go sit on the sidelines. You know, the great thing about God is as, as we kind of line up as the human race, God doesn't overlook any one of us. He, he actually selects us. He says, Mary, John, Mark, Joan, I, I, I would like you to be a part of what I'm doing. And so all of us have a 
calling, whether we realise it or not. Uh, Paul picks this up in a letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. It says, God has saved us and called us with a holy or a high calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And so God wants to save us from from sin and to bring forgiveness and and his love into our life. But he also calls us, as I've often said, we're not just saved to go to heaven. Otherwise, we might as well go to heaven right now. No, we're saved. That's our relationship with God. And we're called to a holy calling right here on planet Earth. And so it's really important that we not only have our relationship with God going well, but we've thought through what has God called or selected me to be and to do? Uh, Paul picks this up in another letter, Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. Uh, God saved you, there's the word save, saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. Uh, and that's what I love about Jesus. And, you know, Christianity uh, is spelt done, D-O-N-E. It's not about what I can do. It's about what God, through Jesus, has done for me. You know, religion in many ways spelt do, D. It's all about what you do and the various rituals and practices and things you've got to do in order to earn favour with God or gods in that particular religion. Christianity is unique in that it's based on grace. It's by about what God has done. So it's not a reward. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that we cannot boast about it. And so there's the salvation part. But then Paul goes on and says, but we are God's masterpiece. The Greek word is poema, which means work of art. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we we don't do things. We don't pursue our calling in order to be loved by God. No, we're, we're already loved by God because of what Jesus has done. But our salvation is only that foundational part of our life. We've now got a a calling. God has made you. You are his masterpiece, his work of art. And he's got some good things that he's planned for you to do. Uh, Not in order to be loved by God, but because you are loved by God and called according to his purpose. And and so as we realize I'm saved and I'm called, uh, in Galatians 6 verse 4 in the Message Bible, uh, Paul says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. Can you see there's that identity, who I am, a child of God, my salvation, my relationship with God, but then the work I've been given to do, my calling, my contribution to this world. And so uh, what about you and your calling? You know, about five years ago, I shared a message on discovering your life purpose. And, uh, you know, messages a little bit like uh, meals. They're worth cooking up again, as long as you uh, use some fresh ingredients and it's not stale, you know, too long leftover food. Uh, but, but five years ago, I talked about discovering your life purpose. And so I thought I'd just re- review a little bit of that. We, we talked about the fact that all of us have a shape, a God-given shape that relates to our calling. Uh, Rick Warren, an American pastor, came up with this. Uh, letter S stands for our spiritual gifts. H stands for our heart. 
A stands for our abilities, P, our personality, and E, our experience. And so each one of us have one or more spiritual gifts. Some of you have pastoral, caring gifts, or mercy showing. Some of you are administrative and great at organizing things and creating order out of chaos or mess. Others of you have this kind of prophetic insight and discernment. Some of you have teaching and training and equipping gifts. There's a whole array of different gifts, and all of us have at least one or more. So, so what are your spiritual gifts? Then your heart is, uh, you know, what do you get excited about? What, what makes your heart beat? You know, what, what, what are your passions? What, what are you interested in? Uh, what do you really enjoy? That's part of your shape. Then your abilities. These are the skills and talents that you've developed over your life. Our personality is our unique wiring. Some of us extrovert. Some of us are a little bit more introverted. Some of us are good with people. Others prefer to work with things. Some of us are leaders. Some of us like to be on a team. We're, we're all got different personalities. And then our experience. Everything in your life contributes to your calling. Nothing is wasted. And so what are the experiences you've been through? Uh, not only the, the positive and the joyful ones, but maybe even some of the painful and difficult, one, difficult ones, they also contribute to your contribution. And so, so what is your unique shape? Uh, what, what has God created you to be and do? Uh, I use the, the example of this uh, ice cream scoop here. You know, I, I don't know how many bent spoons were scattered across the planet. Um, you, you know, if you just use a regular spoon on hard ice cream, it, it bends. <laughs> well, well, someone had an idea and they invented this ice cream scoop and it's designed with a specific intention. And what's great about this is it's not going to bend no matter how hard the ice cream is. Now, you could use this for a variety of things. You could uh, use it as a hammer. <laughs> you could pound some nails in. You could use it as a paperweight. Um, you could use it as an egg holder. You could use it as a weapon if someone breaks into your house. There's a lot of different things you could use this for, but it functions best when you use it for the purpose that the designer had in mind. You know, you and I are the same. There's a lot of things we could do with our life, but we're going to be most joyful and most effective when we discover and reflect on what is my shape? What is my calling? What has God made me to be and do? And when we uh, engage with that, as I said, we're, we're fruitful, we're effective, and there's uh, a lot of joy as we carry out that calling. And so what about you today? How are you and your calling going? Uh, sometimes we've just got to begin and take some of the opportunities in front of us. Uh, it's like using a sports analogy. Sometimes we've just got to get out on the field, get in the game and start to play. And maybe you do goalie for a while or maybe you play on the back line or the forward line. Sometimes we've just got to get moving. And in the process of exploring opportunities, we learn about ourselves. We find out some things that maybe we're not very good at. Uh, we discover other things that we uh, tend to have um, uh, some, some skills for. And so just begin moving, just begin serving, taking opportunities. Uh, another way to look at this idea of calling is to ask yourself three questions. What are you good at? That's the first circle. This is your talents and skills and abilities. What do you care about? This is your heart, your passion, your interest, what you enjoy doing, and what are the needs of the world? At the intersection of those three circles, what you're good at, what you care about, and the needs of the world, it is that sweet spot, your calling or your mission. 
Some things we care about, we're not that good at. Some things we're good at, maybe we don't care about. But if we can put the three aspects of our life together, there's a synergy there in the middle. And right in the middle is where we're going to thrive in ministries. It's like a grace zone. When you're doing those things, it is a flow. Uh, it, it takes less energy and it's like time stands still because you've found that aspect of your calling. And so what about you today? What about you and your calling? Uh, sometimes our contribution changes. So we're not called just to a particular role, but to an overall contribution. And sometimes the expression of our calling may go through different seasons. I, I know for me, I, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to be when I grew up and I did a variety of part-time jobs for, for many years. And then I got involved in the worship ministry in the church and did that for quite a few years. And then had a, a request to help out with youth ministry. And Nicole and I were youth pastors for about five years. And then I got involved in administration and eventually associate pastor. And then I was a senior minister for about 22 years. Now, now I'm doing some coaching and some professional supervision. And so as you can see, you know, my, my contribution, the expression of my calling has, has changed uh, many times over my lifetime. And it may be the same for you. And so I think our attitude should be, I'm doing what I'm doing now with the commitment and enthusiasm. If I may do that the rest of my life, but I'm holding it lightly enough that if a, a change comes, I'm willing to let it go and potentially take up something new. It's important we don't get our identity from what, our, what we do. Our, our identity comes from our relationship with God, but our contribution, our particular role, is that part of our calling. You know, our calling includes what we do at home, whether you're a single, married, parent, uh, you know, our home, those relationships, that's part of our calling, our, our neighbourhood, the community we live in, uh, your workplace. We'll talk more about vocation uh, in another session, but your workplace, your school, if you're studying, and, and of course, the church. You know, the church is meant to be a team where everyone contributes. Uh, Paul used the analogy of a body, a body with many parts and many members, and the body is effective when every member is contributing. Uh, he uses other analogies like an army or a temple with many stones uh, joining together. And, and so many of the metaphors of the church involve individuals being part of something bigger than themselves. And so your calling includes all those aspects. But I really want to encourage you this year, if you're a part of Bayside, well, what's, what's your calling? What's your contribution to the church? Um, you know, not everyone's going to be prominent. Not everyone's going to be behind a camera or up on stage or with a microphone in their hand, but everyone is significant. And uh, anything you do for God's work is significant. Jesus said, you, you can't even give a cup of water in my name without me noticing it and rewarding it. And so um, your, your perspective on your calling is really important. I uh, heard a story of two men on a building site and uh, they were moving bricks from one part of the site over to the other side. And the first man, someone said, what are you doing? And he says, oh, we're just moving bricks from there to there. <laughs> he was just stating the facts. The, the second man doing the same job, uh, someone said, what are you doing? He says, we're building a cathedral. Same job, different perspective. See, the first man just saw the mechanics of what he was doing. The second man had a big vision and saw that I'm moving bricks from here to here, but this is helping to build something significant. And it's the same in the church. You know, sometimes I, I visit a church and I might be chatting to someone in the foyer and say, well, hey, where, where do you serve? And someone will say, oh, I'm just a children's volunteer. You know, never say 
I'm just a children's volunteer. Uh, one of my great children's church stories was uh, D.L. Moody apparently had a revival meeting many years ago and someone said, how did the meeting go? And he says, yeah, really good. Two and a half people got saved. <laughs> and someone said, well, what, two and a half? You mean two adults and a child? He says, no, no, no. Two children and an adult, because the adult's life is half over, but the children have their entire life ahead of them. <laughs> I love that. Never say I'm just a children's worker. You know, if you're helping to influence a child, you're potentially shaping their entire future. And, and so not all of us will have prominent roles, but every contribution we make to the church is significant. And you, know, you know, sometimes our roles will change, but sometimes we don't need a new role or a new ministry. We just need a new perspective on the role we already have. You know, Moses was in a desert place and he encountered God there and God said, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Now, Moses didn't need to be in a new place. He just needed to see where he was at that moment, which kind of felt dry, uh, actually was sacred, actually was a holy place. And so don't allow familiarity. Sometimes the longer we've been doing something, you know, the first time you do something, it's pretty exciting, it's fresh, it's new. And then, you know, we, we do it maybe week after week, month after month, year after year, year and we can kind of just get a bit familiar. Happens in a marriage where romance becomes routine. It happens in parenting, happens with a job. It can also happen in our serving roles within the church. And so don't allow familiarity to take away the specialness, the joy of the area that you may be serving in. And so how about you and your calling today? Our prayer is that you would thrive in 2023. And that's about you and God, but it's also you thinking through not just your salvation, but your calling. What, what, what is your calling? What, what's, what's your shape? Have you taken some time to reflect on how God has uniquely shaped you? And are you serving? Are you contributing to the benefit of others? Now, some of you are joining us today. You know you're calling and you're living it out. And I just want to say, well done. Thank you. And a big shout out to all the Bayside volunteers. You know, our church would not be what it is today without you contributing. And there's so many ministries in the church that are filled with people using their gifts. And so if that's you today, I pray today's message would just encourage you. You don't have to wait till you die to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to say that to you now, well done good and faithful servant. Uh, you know, secondly, maybe you know you're calling, but you're not really living it out at the moment. And there could be reasons for that. Maybe you're, you're tired. Maybe you've gone through a period of burnout or exhaustion. It's a time just to, to refresh and renew and, and heal up and then, and then you get back in the game. Or maybe you're discouraged. Maybe it's been a little tough lately or there's been some conflict or, or tension, uh, but that can be difficult to navigate through. Or maybe you're in transition. Maybe you're moving from one expression or one contribution to another. And that's a little awkward. It's a bit of a liminal space where you've let go of one trapeze and you haven't quite grabbed the next one. And so, so maybe that's you today. I'd love to pray for you. Or maybe thirdly, you're listening and you don't know you're calling. Maybe you're following Jesus, but you're not sure what your calling is. I want to encourage you to make this a time of discovery and discernment. Don't just sit on the sidelines, you know, knock on some doors. I can tell you here at Bayside, uh, you know, there's no ministry with the no vacancy sign over it. 
you know, sometimes you can come to a church like Bayside, look around, everything's done so well. You can think, well, they don't need me here. The truth is every ministry has opportunities for you to use your gifts. And you know, when you begin to serve, uh, first of all, it's an opportunity for you to grow. Uh, you don't grow just by sitting on the sidelines. You grow by using your gifts and it's a great place to build community. If you want to make friends, one of the best way to make friends is to, is to serve and to contribute with other people. Uh, one of my favorite movies is Fellowship of the Ring. And you've got these very different creatures from hobbits to um, elves and dwarves. And, you know, they wouldn't normally kind of hang out, but they've got this common mission. And as they pursue this common mission, they become a fellowship. And church is a little bit like that. Uh, look around, you know, we're all very different, but we can build that friendship through common mission. Or maybe you're listening today and you're not even saved. You haven't had that sense of Jesus coming into your life. I'd love to pray with you today. Uh, thank you, God, uh, for this time together. And I pray as we talk about our calling today, thank you for those that are living it out, for those that know their calling, but aren't for some reason, refresh them strengthen them, help them through this time. For those that aren't sure of their calling, I pray that you would uh, turn the lights on, as it were, and as they uh, discover, as they discern, as they start exploring who you've made them to be, that clarity would come. Uh, for those that are, are listening and joining us today that may not know you personally, I pray that today they would open their heart, open their life to you. They'd know what it is to be saved, to have their sins forgiven, to be in relationship with you, and then to live a life of meaning and purpose. I pray that today, and I pray that all of us would thrive during this year. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a terrific day. Thanks so much, Josh and Anita, and hello. And I'm looking forward to getting into the Word with you on this Connect weekend at Bayside Church. If you want to follow the text in your Bible, uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 12, if you would, and you'll find message notes and discussion questions as well. You can find those via the Bayside Church app or the website. This is Connect Weekend. The title of the message is God's Plan. And the text I'm taking is Mark 12, we're going to read it in a few minutes, not quite yet. Uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 28. But before we read that, I want to give you a little bit of background into what is happening in this chapter uh, in Jesus' life and ministry at this point in time. What we see in Mark 12 is a group of religious leaders. Uh, they're coming to Jesus with, with bad intention. They're trying to trap him in his words. Mark identifies these guys as Pharisees, Sadducees and Herodians. Now, the Herodians were a group of Greek-speaking Jewish people who had been highly influenced by Greek culture. And so they were kind of a, a separate sect, if you like, of Jewish religious leaders here. And what we see in Mark 12 is various issues that are brought up. So the Pharisees and the Herodians come to Jesus, first of all, and they ask him that question that we've probably heard on numerous occasions, should we pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? So this was a damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of question, all right? The imperial tax was a tax that Roman citizens didn't have to pay. So it was a tax that was, that was kind of placed on people that were non-Romans that had been subjugated by the Romans and there was a massive amount of angst and ill will 
in the society as a result of this imperial tax. But really, you know, Jesus, this was a very good question because it really didn't matter how Jesus answered this. If he answered it, yes, we should pay tax, he would be seen as a Roman collaborator and all of the Jewish people would have left him. He would have lost his audience. But if he'd said no, he would have then been arrested by the Romans for sedition and treason. So it was, as I say, it was a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of answer. But Jesus' answer is absolutely amazing. He says, show me a coin, whose inscription, Caesar's inscription is on the coin. And then he says, give to Caesar what Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And everyone was like, oh, well, that was, that was a good answer. We didn't see that one coming. The Sadducees had been waiting in the wings for their opportunity. They'd been listening to his response to the Pharisees and the Herodians. The Sadducees were an interesting group. They said that there was no resurrection. There was no afterlife. This life is all there is. And so that's why they were sad, you see? Uh, and they were trying to trap Jesus with a rather bizarre story. And this is the story we find in Mark 12 at verse 19. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died, leaving no child. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. And so what we see here, this woman had to marry all of the brothers, starting with the oldest down to the youngest, to try and raise up children, but no children were born. And, and their story ends with this. Last of all, the woman died too. And I mean, no surprises. The poor thing would have been completely exhausted. At the resurrection, this is their question. And I can imagine they would have been kind of plotting on this. Uh, what kind of question can we come up with? This will be a doozy. This will get him for sure. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Gotcha, Jesus. Ah, uh, no. Jesus is actually very blunt with these guys. First of all, he told them, you are in error because you do not know the scripture or the power of God. In other words, you're ignorant of the word and the spirit. And he concluded with, you are badly mistaken. In other words, everyone is not right. Some people are dead wrong. There is such a thing as absolute truth. And so finally, a teacher of the law, uh, having heard the others debating and noticing that Jesus had given the others a good answer, he asked Jesus, uh, and this is where we pick up our text today in Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. He says to Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love the Lord or to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself 
is, the, is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. And so this teacher of the law, this lawyer comes to Jesus and he uses a particular expression that Jesus then repeats. I want you to notice that. The lawyer says, which is the most important commandment? And in his response, Jesus picks up that same phrase, the most important one. Now, most important, those two English words are actually translating one Greek word. The Greek word is protos. And it's the word that we get our English prefix from, proto. There are lots of words in the English language that start with P-R-O-T-O, proto. Um, and it means the first or the foremost or the earliest form of. Let me give you one example of how this is used in the English language. We talk about a prototype, prototype. A prototype is an original model. 